Last year, lots of commentators were talking about the Great Resignation. After the disruptions of 2020, loads of people were changing jobs. Some surveys suggested up to 40% of the workforce was planning to resign within six months. At various times, those surveys were taken last year. At the start of this year, the former treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, talked about the great reshuffle. His point was Aussies weren't giving up on work altogether and the low unemployment, I think he was trying to emphasise the low unemployment rate. Uh, Aussies weren't resigning from work, but we were looking for different work. There was a great reshuffle going on. Uh, The disruptions of shutdowns and working from home means people are asking big questions. Am I getting paid enough? Is my work flexible enough? What do I value? What do I want to get out of work? Uh, of course, you've got to be pretty, pretty privileged to be asking those sorts of questions. For most people throughout history, for most people around the world, uh, for most people they never ask whether work is personally satisfying. They do whatever they can, no matter how horrible it is, they do whatever they can just to get food on the table. But for many of us, we have some level of options around work. But regardless of whether you've got choices or not when it comes to work, uh, the book of Proverbs has loads to say about work. We're going to be looking at lots of themes over the next few weeks. Work is one of the big themes in the book of Proverbs. Now today, as we look at the theme of work in Proverbs, I'm aware we all have different experiences and relationships to work. Uh, Some of us are teenagers and we're at school. Maybe as a teenager you've got a part-time job, but work, at least the way that we're thinking about it today, work for you is something in your future. Others of us are working in various jobs and careers. Or we're unemployed and searching for work. Uh, Some of us do work that is unpaid. We work in our homes or our community. Uh, We work with our families or neighbours. And even though that kind of work doesn't get calculated into Australia's GDP and therefore in many ways is unappreciated, it is work. It's the kind of work we're thinking about today. Uh, Others of us, we're heading towards retirement or we are already in that early retirement phase where you're very active in volunteering or caring for the family. And I know many think that they are busier now in these early years of retirement than they ever were when they were working. Others of us are in our senior years and you're quite aware of your decreased capacity for work. And although work might be something in more in your past, part of your work now is to pass on your wisdom about work to the next generation. Whatever your current relationship to work, today we're going to be listening to God's word for his wisdom around work. How can we be wise as we work? And the book of Proverbs has two big themes, two big things to say when it comes to work. Proverbs talks about hard work and honest work. 
And these two ideas came up as we read through Proverbs 20. I wonder if you notice those two things the Proverbs say about work. So have a look in your Bible at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. So this is verse 4. Sluggards do not plough in season. So at harvest time they look, but find nothing. Wisdom approves of diligent or hard work. The sluggard in this proverb is like old Mother Hubbard. Because of laziness, when she goes to the the cupboard, the cupboard, the cupboard, there's nothing there. And it might sound pretty harsh, this sluggard at harvest time. They look, they look, they find nothing. Their cupboard is bare. We're going to come to that element of the proverbs in a moment. The kind of the harsh word it has about sluggards or laziness. But the Proverbs unashamedly affirm the wisdom of hard work. Uh, Verse 23, Proverbs 20.23, talks about honest work. It says, The Lord detests differing weights, and dishonest scales do not please him. Uh, Differing weights, that's a picture of dodgy work, getting rich from dishonesty. So we're going to listen to Proverbs, hard work, honest work, And at the end, we're going to look to the New Testament to tie some things together. But first up, hard work. We've already met the sluggard. Uh, This is a character we meet over and over again in the Proverbs, someone who's slothful or lazy. Uh, There's a very funny description of the sluggard in Proverbs 26. Have a listen. A sluggard says, There's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, slow as sluggard, a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is, he's too lazy to bring it up to his mouth. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Oh, it's great. I love this picture. Sluggard's so lazy, I can't even be bothered to get their, can't even be bothered to get their hand up to their mouth put them food in. It's kind of the the Homer Simpson kind of character. A slob, lovable, yes, but lazy and incompetent both at home and at work. Uh, This picture of the slugger, it's funny. You are meant to, the Proverbs are are meant to make you laugh, particularly the ones about the sluggard. But the point isn't to think of someone who reminds you of Homer and then laugh at them Uh, The point of the Proverbs is to make us look at ourselves. You don't want to be the butt of the joke. Don't be a sluggard. Don't be lazy. And why? Well, we heard in chapter 20 that laziness leads to empty cupboards, to poverty and hunger. Proverbs 12 also points out it leads to oppression, being taken advantage of. Proverbs 12.24, diligent hands will rule... But laziness ends in forced labour. The end of laziness is being oppressed. Though this isn't universally true, is it? If it was, it would be the enslaved people of America's South who were rich and powerful, not the plantation owners. We must remember Proverbs aren't promises. They're wise sayings that need to be used wisely. The point of this proverb 
isn't to make a statement about economic injustice. It's not saying that those who are oppressed or enslaved deserve it. The point is to esteem the general wisdom of diligent work. Wisdom says hard work gets good results. But there's a deeper reason why hard work is good. And we've got to go outside the Proverbs to see this. There's more than just the good results you get. Work, hard work is good because work is part of God's good creation. In Genesis 1, humanity, men and women together are told... God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Subduing the earth, bringing order out of the chaos, takes work. And this is in Genesis 1, before sin. Work is part of God's good creation. And then in Genesis 2, in this different picture of God's good creation, we're told, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The man is created and given a job. Though the job's not to be a gardener or to maintain an orchard. Uh, The words work and take care of is the language of of the temple. This is a priestly calling. The man's job is to be the gardener, king, priest, uh, to take care of this garden, to rule over the world, uh, to keep and take care of God's garden temple in Eden. Uh, His job description is to keep this garden paradise spiritually pure, a holy temple and to extend the garden temple over all the earth. But this is a job. Work is good. Hard work is good because it's part of God's good intention for life in his creation. Though when humanity rebels against God, we decide that we know better than God, maybe like the sluggard who thinks he's smarter than seven wise people, When we think we know better than God, work becomes frustrated and futile. God's curse in Genesis 3 is, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are. And to dust you will return. So what do we hear from Genesis 1, 2 and 3? Work is good, but it's frustrated because of our sin. No longer is it good, hard work, but it's toil. Painful toil. Literal thorns and thistles growing in our paddocks and gardens. And they need to be picked out or sprayed again and again. We have computers that crash, the bus bus tyres go flat, there are delays in materials arriving. Work is frustrated. But as Proverbs say, it is still wise to work hard. Let's go back though to the sluggard. 
Because work is not just good hard work, it's also toil. One of the temptations we have is just to give up. It's just all too hard. But I want us also to listen, back in Proverbs 26, there's another hint as to why we might not work hard. Listen again to verse 13. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the street. Now, this proverb, the sluggard here, might be just making excuses. There's not actually a lion out there, but when we feel lazy, we make all sorts of excuses. But I wonder whether it could be getting at something deeper. One of the causes of laziness, one of the reasons for procrastination is fear. We're afraid of failing and so we never start. If you're a perfectionist or maybe you are always criticised by your teachers or your parents, if you're a perfectionist that you might be highly driven and, and you might sometimes be a really hard worker and you are really, you overwork to try and get things 100% right all the time. But then at other times, you might be scared because you're scared to start because if you can't get the job done perfectly, well then why even bother trying? Maybe the reason we can be lazy is actually a fear of failure. Now, I don't know if the Proverbs directly address this fear. It just kind of raises the question of the fear of the sluggard. The Proverbs may not directly answer it, but the fear of the Lord does. Fearing God means knowing you are a creature. God is infinite and perfect. We are limited and imperfect in all sorts of ways. At its worst... Perfectionism is idolatry. It's trying to be God. The fear of the Lord means knowing that God is God and we are not. We can never be perfect. God calls us, though, to give give it a try, get, get to, to work hard. Uh, the fear of the Lord also means knowing God's grace. And if God has been gracious to you, offering mercy and forgiveness, you can be gracious to yourself. You don't need to be perfect which is good because you can't be perfect. Which gets us back to the sluggard. Because the Proverbs seem quite harsh on the sluggard. It kind of draws a very black and white picture of the universe. You're either hard working or you're a lazy sorry. You're either hard working or you're a lazy slob. That that doesn't seem very kind. It doesn't seem to take into account some of the nuances of our world. What if the sluggard is someone who's injured? What does this say to the person who's chronically unwell or has a disability or suffers a mental illness? If you took these proverbs in isolation, we would be putting infants to work. Why are they so lazy? All you do is sleep and poo. Seriously? Once again, we've got to use the Proverbs, which are wise things. We've got to use them wisely. The picture of the sluggard is a wake-up call to the person who has the capacity and the ability to work but doesn't. The point of the sluggard is to alert us to our own tendency to be lazy. It's not a big stick to whack others with. It's, and it's definitely not an excuse to not care for the poor and the needy. Remember what we saw 
at the start of Acts this year, the earliest Christians. What happened with the earliest Christians? Those who had means, probably because they'd worked hard and had extra money in the bank, or maybe they'd inherited property, so someone else in their, their family had worked hard and they just were, were enjoying the rewards of it. Those who had property and possessions, they sold what they had, they gave the proceeds to the apostles, and the apostles distributed it to those who had needs. We particularly heard it in Acts chapter 6 with the widows. The early Christians didn't say, you lazy widows, go and get a job. No, they put food on the table for them every day. The gospel compels loving generosity. Because we know God's loving generosity in Christ. Alright, so sum up. Uh, The Proverbs affirm the wisdom, the goodness of hard work and the foolishness of being lazy. But at the same time, uh, Christians are kind. Uh, We give generously to those in need. Uh, The second thing we read in the Proverbs is work must be honest. Uh, The common picture in the Proverbs is dishonest scales. Proverbs 20.23 The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. Now the dishonest scales, we're not talking about your bathroom scales that you are sure add an extra couple of kilos every time you step on them. No, the dishonest scales are the fruit and veg shop that adds an extra 100 grams to the weight of your bananas ripping you off. You're paying for nothing but air. Now, this image of the dishonest scales, don't take it overly literally. The point isn't to say, oh, it's okay to lie on your timesheet to your boss as long as the scales you use are fair. No, the proverb is about honesty. Honesty in work, honesty in business. And this is the place where we see, once again, the wisdom of Proverbs comes from, is, is deeply founded on fearing the Lord. Many people would say, would think, if you can lie and get away with it, then you're actually wise, you're smart. If you're a builder and quote a job claiming you're going to use the top grade fittings and fixtures, but you go and get the cheapest things from the bargain bin at Bunnings, if you get away with it, man, you are wise, that's good business practices. What the customer doesn't know won't hurt them. Poor pity the fool. But when we fear God... We learn wisdom isn't what maximises profit. It's wise to work in a way that honours and glorifies God, even if it means we don't give as much money in our bank. Why does God detest differing weights? That's very strong language, isn't it? Detests. Because God is true. He does not lie. 1 Samuel 15 says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Uh, The context of this statement is one of rebuke. King Saul is being promised consequences as a result of his sin. And Samuel is warning Saul, God doesn't lie, he will do exactly what he has said. Dishonest scales are a broken promise. The promise you're making is, I'll sell you this quantity of bananas at a certain price, but dishonest scales make that promise a lie. It's the same if you fudge the timesheet at work, 
or sell a box of grapes where the, the top layer is good but lower down it is full of mould. You're turning a promise into a lie. And our God is not like that. He does not lie. Another picture of honesty in work is the Proverbs warn against receiving bribes. Proverbs 15.27 says, The greedy bring ruin to their household, but the one who hates bribes will live. Bribes are another kind of lie. If you're a judge or a government official and you take a bribe, you're being dishonest in your work. Though, this is really interesting. So very clearly the Proverbs says, do not receive a bribe, but have a listen to this from Proverbs 18. A gift opens up the, sorry, opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. That's really interesting. What's the difference between a gift and a bribe? I take it one is a lie and the other is honest. If you remember your boss's birthday, uh, bring in cake for them, uh, you'll probably get on their good side and things are going to go well for you. That's not a bribe, is it? It's just being kind. And in general, acts of kindness improve relationships. And if you're kind to your potential customers at work, then they're more likely to come back and buy from you again. I bring up this point to help us realise that the Proverbs are not strict rules to live by. There's a certain degree of creative thinking as we put them into practice. They're not laws, they're wise sayings. And as we're thinking about honest work, now this is another uh, proverb that's quite interesting and I didn't know where to put it, but the proverb gives special warnings about doing business in a way that rips off the poor. So there's honesty in general, but then there's a particular concern about how we treat those who are poor. Uh, Proverbs 28 verse 8 says, Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. This is a really interesting proverb. Not only does it talk about justice being built into God's creation, if you rip off the poor, it's going to come back to bite you. The proverb also condemns charging interest or profiting from the poor, but it doesn't say the same thing about the rich. It doesn't condemn profiting from those who are rich. And this does not sit well with us. I think most of us hear this proverb and we are very uncomfortable. Is this proverb saying it's wise, even commendable, to have different prices for different people? In some developing countries, if you go there as an international tourist, you will pay, as an international tourist, triple, quadruple what the locals pay for the same thing. How does that make you feel? We come from a culture that is very strong on equality. And in particular, if you're more right-wing economically, it's about equality of opportunity, not equality of outcomes. This proverb does not sit very comfortably with our equality-loving culture. 
But maybe God's wisdom points us in a different direction. Maybe if we are uncomfortable with what this proverb says, we have been more trained by our culture than by knowing God. Honest work might treat different people differently, charging less for those who are poor. So as we've thought about honest work, we've mainly looked at this from the perspective of the worker or the the tradesman or the, the, the business owner. How are you to be an honest person in your work? And these proverbs are necessary because not only are we foolish, but we are sinful. In our sin, we're inclined to lie. But the flip side is true as well. People will lie to us. Proverbs warns of the unscrupulous customer. Proverbs 20.14 says, It's no good, it's no good, says the buyer, and then goes off and boasts about the purchase. This is a warning about being ripped off by customers who's talking you down so much in price, they end up ripping you off. That's the warning. Though... As followers of Jesus, we need to remember what he said. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. What does turning the other cheek mean in business? Does it mean we are free to be taken advantage of? That cross-shaped living means we prefer to be wronged than to assert our rights. At the very least... Jesus is saying we don't seek revenge on those who do us wrong. Maybe the warning of Proverbs 20.14 is that when someone's trying to take advantage of you, you don't lash out. You don't try and get even. But in wisdom, maybe we find an exit ramp, a way out of a situation that doesn't include seeking revenge. Wise people are aware not only of our own potential for dishonesty, but also the dishonesty of others. But because God is true, he calls us to be honest no matter what, because this brings glory to him. Working hard, working honestly, that's what we've heard from the Proverbs. It's not only wise, but it's it's working out how we live for Jesus, how we work for the Lord. Uh, Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Uh, In context, it's talking about, uh, it's talking to enslaved people. And although we may feel trapped in our jobs, I owe, I owe, so off to work we go, that also comes up in the Proverbs, we actually aren't slaves. But the principle, the the way of approaching work fits. As slaves of 
Christ, we are always working for the Lord. Everything a Christian does, we do as people who belong to Jesus. And why do we do this? Well, it continues. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What's the inheritance? It's, it's the heavenly inheritance, eternal life. Eternal life, that is a reward, not of our work, but of Christ's. Because Jesus is the risen and reigning Christ, because if we trust in him, his reward is guaranteed, we are free to do our earthly work in God's wisdom. Not wisely as the world sees it. Worldly wisdom says work is mainly about self-fulfillment. Or it's about maximising profits and it doesn't matter who you rip off in the process. But God's wisdom, working for the Lord, means we don't give in to our own laziness, even as we are generous and care for those in need. And it means we are honest in all we do, because that's what our God is like. Let's pray. Father God, please give us wisdom. Help us be wise in our work. Help us to work hard. Give us perseverance, especially when our work feels like toil. Help us not be fearful of failure or distracted. And may we honour you in our work. Help us to be honest in our work, to not cheat, lie or steal. Help us to show kindness to those who are poor or powerless and use our work to do good for them. May we glorify Christ and live for you in all of our daily tasks. Amen.